Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name is Steve. And I'm Josh. And together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings and slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome, Snakebirds, to a brand new episode of the cast. Today we're focusing in on an aspect of our relationship with God that sometimes gets either overlooked or misunderstood. Join us as we meld together ideas from the Old and New Testament as we attend attempt to bring clarity and recognition to this essential Christian subject. Tis another great day to be with you again, guys. And today, great day. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we have a very special topic because, number one, it comes from you, the listeners. Yeah. Or one listener in particular. And number two, it's a fantastic topic. And if you've clicked on the thumbnail, you already know that the episode is How to Minister to God. And this episode is going to be one that takes a bird's eye view of, of what ministering to God looks like from the Old Testament, like Josh said, all the way to the New. And we're going to cover all the areas that God's laid on our hearts and, of course, what the Bible has to say most importantly. Yeah, I kind of feel like the listener who suggested this already did a lot of the groundwork for us because he was asking about certain things and he's like, how does it relate to this? And I was like, oh, well, we could just look that up. That's easy. And then he was yeah. like, how does it relate to this? And I'm like, hey, he gave us another idea. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and read his question, Josh. Oh, sure. It's he, The question asked was, how to minister to God and how that connects to the sons of Zadok in Acts Acts 13, 2 through 4, and how one would effectively do that. Yeah. So right away you have Old Testament, Sons of Zadok, and then you have Acts 13. And so melding of the old and yes. the new. Yeah, which I thought was a really well thought out question. And I, I had a lot of, uh, of fun getting into the topic and, and I learned myself studying it. So thank you for reaching out with that question. Yes, for sure. And a uh, quick shameless plug right here. If you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, go ahead and send us an email or reach out to us on our Facebook page and we'll try to record that episode as quick as we can. Absolutely. So. And you'll, you'll hear it and you'll be like, hey, I request that yeah. and we will go over it. So. Yeah, and thanks again. Yeah. Okay, so ministering to God. Um, John Piper has a trademark phrase that reads, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that short phrase states pretty close what it means to minister to God. Mm-hmm. Um a definition that I came up with, and it's not one I looked up in a Bible dictionary or anything, but just going over the Sons of Zadok, the Old Testament, New Testament, just looking at, at all of these different scriptures that talked about ministering to God, a definition that, that I kind of came up with was to properly and honestly react to who he is. Mm. So let me say that one more time. To minister to God is to properly and honestly react to who he is. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that Revelation 4.11, Luke 19.40, and Romans 2.14-15 kind of back up that that idea of, of what ministering to God looks like. And, and it's a proper reaction to who God is that will result in our ultimate satisfaction. Yeah. So I, I know when I listen to Piper, I always hear that, you know, God is most glorified in, in us when we're most satisfied in him. And so I, that came to mind. I was like, you know what? That, that kind of rings true. <laughs> and so I, I thought I would uh, bring that up. But 
Uh, Josh, what what do you have on, on your ideas of ministering to God, definition-wise? So, yeah, I feel like the guy that bought the little engagement ring, and he's about to pop the question when all of a sudden, like, the prince comes out with, like, the really, like, five-carat ring, <laughs> and I'm, like, putting it back in my pocket, because <laughs> my definition is not as eloquent as yours. Um, it was all about... Uh, essentially as God's children, just relishing his presence and worshiping him for who he is, yes. allowing the things of this world to fade away. Because um, so many times a lot of people mistake, and we're going to talk about this because, you know, I mean, we don't want to, we want to kind of set up the rest of the episode, but so many people mistake ministering to God and ministering for God. And so yeah, very there's true. a lot of um, premise in just saying, I'm going to relish in his presence and allow myself to really have just a one-on-one relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, for us to minister properly and honestly according to who he is, I think we need to ask the question, which may seem super silly, who is God? Mm. Um, The Bible tells us he's the great I am, Mm -hmm. the alpha, the omega. He's love incarnate, and he's worthy to be praised. Yes. And I think of the the word worship, and and we've talked about it before, that it actually means worthship, which is, you know— the worth we put on God. Yeah, yeah. And so that came to mind in this episode, how we how we value God. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I really landed on Revelation 4.11, which I felt really like came very eloquently from, and there's that word again, I said, but <laughs> uh, from the King James Version, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that we should minister to God. Yeah, absolutely. We were made for his pleasure. It's, it is. It's why we were made to worship him. Mm-hmm. And I think of even um, other Revelation scriptures that talks about what we're going to be doing in heaven. Yes. And it's all about that. Yeah. Yeah. I just heard somebody, I think even today, say, um, the angels are worshiping in heaven. Are you going to join along? Nice. Right. Like, I like they're that. worshiping now. Yeah. Will you join the song? And I, I like, like that. Ooh, that's powerful. That is. Yeah. All right. So to understand the context of, of how God expects us to minister to him currently, I think we need to take a quick overview of how God has expected it in the past. Mm-hmm. And this portion will allow us to look at the sons of Zadok and why what they did was so important. And it's a great template to springboard us into the New Testament understanding of, of ministering to God. So I thought we would just jump right into the beginning, Josh. Does that sound good? <laughs> Genesis 1. <laughs> yeah, that's actually where I'm going. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, sounds G- great. Genesis, anyway. <laughs> yes. So at the beginning of the Old Testament, ministering to God was in its perfect form in the Garden of Eden. Um, Adam and Eve had that perfect environment in which God was was ministered to. And, and then after the fall and the, the time that needed to pass with the falling away and all of that, um, God gave us that first piece of the bridge that would start start us back towards Him, mm-hmm. back to where we could start ministering to Him again. And at that point, God gave the law, the tabernacle, and priests through their responsibilities that would um, offer sacrifices for themselves and the people. It was done in recognition of who God was and what He had done for them. And it was done in obedience to what God had commanded. And it was all tied to worship. Mm-hmm. It was the worship of their God, of, of the Creator. Yes. And um, a scholar by the name of Michael Heiser says this, 
Like Eden, the tabernacle was cosmic in conception, the place where heaven and earth met, a veritable microcosm of the Edenic creation where God first dwelt on earth. There are many subtle connections between Eden and the tabernacle, some of them discernible only in the Hebrew text. So Eden is gone, and, and we're working our way back to that new heaven-earth environment. Mm-hmm. And we should keep in mind that from the beginning, God desired this close-as-you-can-get relationship with us. Um, even with the law, God would tell his people to stop with the pointless festivals and ceremonies when their hearts were far from him. Yes. So I, I think it's really cool to go back that far and see that you know we, we had it in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. We had the fall, and then God started that process Yeah. that, that was you know, dominoes in that bridge back to to that close ministering relationship. Well, it's interesting because I'm about to bring up another podcast that I've listened to, but the Bible Project recently did a presentation about this, about how Adam and Eve were priests before the Lord um, as they commune with God in the garden. And then because of their fall, that fractured that priesthood. And so they were forced out. And the establishment that God is working towards or or his rescue mission that he is reestablishing through the lineage of Jesus, through Jesus, is reestablishing that priesthood that will never fall. That's so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just visualizing all that they were saying through what you were just saying, especially with what uh, Michael Heiser said. That's really cool. Yeah. I never I never heard, thought of the, the Adam and Eve priests. Yeah, I I hadn't either. And that's cool. Yeah, and they, of course, uh, if you see, they always have that visual component that's really. I really love the way they do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool, and it makes a lot of sense. Mm hmm. And that's really where the the sons of Zadok come into play with what they did and what that means in the topic of ministering to God. So I thought we would we would jump into the sons of Zadok, Josh. Yes. And I'm sure there's there's some history that we can we can tap into real quick. Like who was Zadok, the father of the sons of? You know, yeah. Yeah. You know. What yeah. I'm uh, do you know why Zadok is uh, crush the turtle from Finding Nemo's favorite Bible character? Why? Because his name means righteous, righteous. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> nice. Well played, sir. Yeah. I like that. So uh, there's a few Zadoks in the Bible, but I think the one that we find, I guess, most prominent is one of the priests during King David's time. And he served as a co-priest with a guy named Abiathar or Abiathar, however you want to say it, um, all the way up until King David passed. And then all of a sudden it was time to coronate uh, or to recognize Solomon as the next king. But Adonijah had other plans. And so he came in and he went and met with um, Abiathar and I believe Joab. And and he was forming his own little small council. And they came in and they were like, yep, he's going to be the king. And, and David heard of it. And all of a sudden he got another council to go with Solomon and proclaim him king. And anyway, the coup failed and uh, Abiathar got exiled. And the next thing you know, Zadok was proclaimed the priest. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Zadok was a very faithful servant of God. Yes. And he he kind of, you know, I mean, he definitely passed that on to his sons. But um, one thing I saw that was pretty interesting is um, 
the prophet Ezekiel often referred to the priests who followed after Zadok as Zadokites because he was such an influential priest with his loyalty to God and the rightful King David and all that. And so his his sons, obviously, sons of Zadok had a very awesome um, role model as a father in what righteousness was. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting things about the lineage because... They're, they were all Levites apparently, Yeah. but some were from the sons of Zadok and then others were just Levites. And so you had this two classifications, but you also had where God said, I saw your, uh, the way that you were treating people. And he said, your lineage will not continue as high priest. And he told that to Eli. Okay. And so when uh, Abiathar or Abiathar. I keep saying those two names. <laughs> I'm not sure. We just listened to how the guy says it in Hebrew, and I can't do either of those. So um, when he was ousted, it actually says in 1 Kings 2.27, so Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest of the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. And that goes all the way back to the time of First Samuel, when Eli's kids, I believe it's Hophni and Phinehas, oh, wow. were... Um, they were mistreating women at, that came to serve, and they were like, give me whatever meat I want from the sacrifice. Like They were just doing everything that was defiling what the Lord had called them to do as priests. Yes. And God said, your lineage is not going to continue serving before me in that capacity. I love connecting those dots that yes. far back. Yeah. And uh, really, when we get to Zadok's sons, apparently as the children of Israel fell worse and worse into idolatry, some of the Levites even encouraged them into idolatry. Wow. Whereas we find that Ezekiel says that the sons of uh, Zadok actually remained faithful. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I say we just jump into them yes. right next yeah. because that's that's kind of what happens next. Um, the sons of Zadok are found in Ezekiel forty four fifteen, and what we're told of them is that they were very faithful in keeping up with the tabernacle in a time where all of Israel was going astray, mm-hmm. and that's that's a really important point to to point out with the sons of Zadok here. Because when you have the influence and approval of everyone else around you, it's easy to give into that seared conscience where you you can justify the falling away, um, especially if the other Levites are doing mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah. So the the sons of Zadok lived in a time where that was happening all around them, yet they didn't forsake their calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's such an interesting um, term that God uses. Uh, Do you mind if I go ahead and read the verse? No, go for it. Okay, so we're going to bring that back up, what I just said. But the Levitical priests who are descendants of Zadok, he's very careful to classify those, who guarded my sanctuary when the Israelites went astray from me, are to come near to minister before me. They are to stand before me to offer sacrifices of fat and blood, declares the Sovereign Lord. They alone are to enter my sanctuary. They alone are to come near my table to minister before me and serve me as guards. And um, I found a really interesting couple of things. First and foremost, that word to minister in the Hebrew is sharath. That's about as good of a Hebrew pronunciation Uh you might get from me. But it means either to minister, serve, or minister to and it's used 97 times in the Old Testament uh, in referencing ministering or serving or ministering to. Oh, wow. Uh, a lot of times when it says 
for Aaron to minister. It's the same word. And and it's like Exodus, and it shall be upon Aaron and his sons uh, to come near to the altar to minister. Wow. And uh, it's just this word of saying, like, they're going to be the ones that are responsible for ministering um, as that go between between me and the people. Yeah. And uh, I also found it really interesting just to bring a, an, a short application about uh, they alone are to stand before me with offering sacrifices of, of fat and blood. The the fat goes back to speak of the, the first and the very best, which is where we um, travel all the way back to Cain and Abel, bring your first fruits and yes. the best of the land. And of course, the blood is representative of the sacrifice and then ultimately leading to Jesus. That's awesome. So, yeah, I thought that was really powerful, you know, because you're like reading Ezekiel and when you read it through the lens of the old and the new Testament, all of a sudden you're like, wow, there's Jesus right there. That's so cool. You know, I love that. And and another thing that I I found pretty cool as well is the fact that God, he acknowledges the uh, faithfulness of the sons of Zadok in this time. Um, I couldn't help but think of First Peter five six through eight that says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Mm-hmm. Resist him, firm in your faith." And that's just what the sons of Zadok did. Yeah. I mean, they were firm in their faith when everyone around them was was going the other way, but they. Were were paying attention to those things that God said to pay attention to, the things in the tabernacle. Yes. They were being faithful in ministering to God when everyone else wasn't. Yeah. And God raised them up in a time for a big revival in Israel. Yeah. Because of this. Yeah. Between uh, chapters 40 and 48, he acknowledges them four times. And a lot of times he's like, so the Levites who fell, but it was the sons of Zadok who didn't stray. Yeah. And, and, and like, he's just, he's just acknowledging what they did, that they remained faithful. I found this in one commentary. I thought it was really powerful. It was the faithful sons of Zadok whom God reserved for ministry to himself. This shows me that in the eyes of the Lord, the most important ministry is not ministering for him, but ministering to him in worship and praise and prayer and adoration. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I think if you asked ministry leaders without, like, um, that maybe can get into a little bit of that autopilot kind of like, I'm doing this, you know, I've got Sundays and Wednesdays, I've got uh, daily devotions, you know, all this. Yeah. We can kind of lose sight of why do I do what I do? Yeah. You almost, you can get into a a mode of, I've got to teach, 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 And, and the thing is... God wants a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and that can yeah. be sometimes you dedicate so much time to the teach that yeah. that, that that falls or, or fails in your um, your life. Well, and a lot of it, what is it one guy says? He says it's all about your vertical before your horizontal. Oh, yeah. And I I feel like ministering in my life means more vertical. Yeah. versus more horizontal and because you need you know i, what I would is it? say paul would agree yeah yeah i just think of the guy that would teach uh guitar lessons did you ever hear that story where he was always one lesson uh ahead of his students because he would go upstairs to learn from the master and then come back down and teach the next thing that he learned <laughs> and then the next week he would <laughs> like it was just this transfer of knowledge that he was the go-between the people thought he was just this great but he yeah. was just getting it on the, he, he was, was his day Daily bread. Yeah, he was getting it one time before them. And and I mean, 
I think that I I would hope that we would have more of a reservoir, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah. In, in the New Testament, we're going to see that that is, we all have that lifeline. Mm-hmm. And in in the Old Testament, the priest served as that. Yes. But in that, um, and, and you know, the last thing that I have for the sons of Zadok, which I really think launches us into the New Testament, where we can start paralleling this uh, to a modern connection, is what they were called to. Uh, they were called to be set apart, to mm-hmm. be um, an example in some very specific ways. And because this was the time of the law, the ways they were an example um, were through ceremonial obediences, how they dressed, who they married, the mindset when approaching God on behalf of the people, and things like that. But, you know, the verse that really caught my attention was Ezekiel 44, 23, that says, Moreover, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the common, and teach them to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. And this is where I think the parallel is able to jump directly into the New Testament because, as we have discussed in other episodes, we as believers are now a nation of priests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just as the sons of Zadok were an example to lost Israel, we as believers are a nation of priests who are to be an example to the lost world. And that is a part of ministering to God, which leads us into the next portion of that original question um, of how Zadok you know, leads to Acts and, mm-hmm. and Paul and Barnabas. But anyway, I, I thought that was some uh, some good nuggets of gold to pull out there. No, it really is. Uh, there was I, there was quite a bit of application that I found just walking through those verses. Um, there was even one where they were talking about don't wear any garments that cause you to sweat. Yeah, I and saw that. Uh, one pastor. I mean. Again, it's it's hard because you're like, well, how sh- far should we go with the the application or yeah. pulling things out over spiritualizing? Yeah, exactly. And he said, you know, when you're with God, things it shouldn't be a sweat fest. <laughs> you know, he said it should be take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. You know, my oh, yoke yeah. is easy and my burden is light. And um, come to me, all you are are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I mean, I, I just wonder, you know, because in my life, I've tried to do some things for God where it seemed like I really was attempting to move the needle in my own power. And I sweat like a dog. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like. That's when the maybe, vertical's off, isn't it? Yeah, I've, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think I was missing that ministering to the Lord in my personal life. And I feel like the, the vertical was off. Yeah. And, um, and I feel like there's going to be times of difficulty, but I, I do appreciate, again, it could be over-spiritualizing the application, but I thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, it's it definitely is. worth noting. It is worth noting for sure. Um, I mean, cause we do get into that in the new Testament. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. it, it very well could be a dot connected for sure. Yes. All right, so I say we dive into the next portion of the question in the New Testament, which is is Acts 13, um, specifically verses 2 through 4 that the listener um, asked about. So I figured I'd just read those starting off. Yes, please. While they were serving the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set Barnabas and Saul apart for me for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted, prayed, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Um one scholar notes the following about verse 2 here. 
As they ministered to the Lord, the word denotes the performance of official duties of any kind and was used to express the priestly functions under the Old Testament. Here it signifies the corresponding ministrations of the Christian church. Mm. Um, So when we hear terms, like the scholar just said, official duties and ministrations, it can sound very forced, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But we have to remember two things here. Barnabas and Saul were being called into an early church mission to transition the Jews to accept their own Messiah into Christianity, uh, the Gentiles as well who were being grafted in, and, and the duties and ministries that they were they were called to, it wasn't a job. Those duties were an internal longing. Mm. Uh, I have to, I always in, in these situations have to remember that misquoted verse that God will give you the desires of your heart. These duties became the desires of their heart, yeah. um, and that ministered to God. And then number two, we're going to see that this calling of Barnabas and Saul that set them apart is only unique because of this unique early mission to get Christianity into the world in its early stages. Um, And the reason I mention that is because we as believers have that same calling today now. Mm -hmm. Um, And before we jump into how we can minister to God today, I do have a few more things uh, that I'd like to mention about what Paul and Barnabas were doing before the calling. Yeah. But uh, what what are your thoughts, Josh? So (laughs) I kind of went in a different direction with this. Because I, I understand what we were trying to focus on, and I'm a little bit ADHD for sure. So, <laughs> did you see a squirrel? I, I did. I did see a squirrel. I see him all the time. Because I looked this up in a couple different translations, and right off the bat, I grew up with New King James Version, and uh, of course, as you read it in the New King James, it says, "As they ministered to the Lord and fasted." And I'm like, okay, that's a really powerful verse. And so I was like, I wonder how the NIV reads. And so I came back to the NIV and it says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And I thought, okay, okay. So it's opening and expanding my mind of what that word means. Because again, we've gone into our definitions of it. And even like John Piper's, which I feel is just (laughs) glorious. I mean, it's like one of those boxes that every time you open it, the angels' voices should (laughs) sing, you know, God is most glorified in me when I'm most satisfied in him. Yeah. Um, So I, uh, I started to dive into the Greek word. And I didn't expect to find this at all because the word is liturgego and uh, it's liturgy. It's where we get our word liturgy. Liturgy. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, if you go back and you kind of do the definition of it, it means to minister, to serve, to assume an office which must be administered at one's own expense, to discharge a public office at one's own cost, to render public service to the state or of priests and Levites who are busied with the sacred rites in the tabernacle or in the temple. Um, And then of Christians, it means serving Christ, whether by prayer or by instructing others concerning the way of salvation or in some other way. And so I started to kind of question, like, what do I know about liturgy? And so, you know, it led me to the Google. And next thing I know is there's all these Catholic um, uh, (laughs) priests. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, there's these Catholic priests that are like, well, I can explain what liturgy is. And and I'm like, okay, well, let me back up because 
I know that even as we've done this podcast, we talk about liturgy and and we talk about how there's some churches that are very orthodox, or we'll also say that word liturgical. Yeah. And it almost has that really polished, like very clean, very structured feeling. And I was like, man, I think I've had this wrong in my head the whole time. Because liturgy, again, is just ministering to the Lord. It's really that vertical that we should have. And, and we don't have to identify it by the Catholic Church. We don't have to identify it by an Orthodox type of environment. What we have to identify it is is our uh, vertical relationship with God. Oh, that makes perfect sense. And so I thought, um, for me, I'd go looking to see where this verse shows up in the New Testament. And it shows up only two other times in the New Testament. Um, one was in Hebrews chapter 10, and it says, Every priest stands liturgio, or ministering, daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. And then the other one is found in Romans, which I think I'd like to talk about more in just a minute, but I don't want to completely derail us with my ADHD squirrel thought. <laughs> No, no, that's that's super. I, th- I didn't think it was too much of a squirrel either. That's that's okay. some really good things to point out because yeah. that, that's interesting to think of liturgy is that's actually that because like I, that one scholar said, you know the the duties, official duties, mm-hmm. and all that. It's a very very structured and yes. uh, man made almost. Yes, but it, it's not. It's a spiritual thing. Yes, yeah, it's it worship. Is. Yes, that's it's really connection. Cool. It's communion. It's it's really focusing on your relationship and your presence with God. That's awesome. Okay, so um, just to wrap up some some thoughts that I had on on what Paul and Barnabas were doing before they were called out, and that was praying, serving, and fasting. Uh, These were things that Barnabas and Paul and the other Christians were doing before they were called to their special work. And I think it's safe to say that um, if we do these things like they were doing, uh, we we too can start to get revelations from God on what He wants us mm-hmm. to do in our lives. Yeah. Uh, by praying, we're keeping in constant communication with God. Even though God knows our hearts already, our speaking back to Him through prayer will allow us to gain a closeness with Him that can't be obtained without prayer. And by serving, we are putting others before ourselves, which is exactly what Jesus did, and we'll be ministering to God by mm-hmm. serving others. Mm-hmm. Uh, by fasting, we're withholding something that we need as a sacrifice to God. It's an offering from us to God in which we are desiring what He has to give over our temporal condition. Um, and by fasting, we're ministering to God. And these three things are some great examples of honestly and appropriately reacting to who God is. Um, which you know kind of goes back to that original definition, but um, I just thought those were some great things that I noticed about Acts thirteen in relation in relation to ministering to God. You know, those, yeah. those are some great things that we could be doing too that we could implement. Yes, yeah, I wrote that same thing down. Where it's like, if you look at the result of this after they've ministered to God, after they've waited, after they've prayed, after they fasted, all of a sudden they hear the Holy Spirit speak. And yeah. that's not necessarily something that we should always be like, well, this is formulaic. So yeah, I did right. I did the ministering. Now you do the speaking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that can be our heart. Yeah. But it is um, showing the emphasis of like, 
okay, they waited on the Lord. And, and um, one guy said it like this. He's like, I, I literally choose to wait on the Lord through like almost being like a waiter of presenting myself to him and presenting um, his words to him like a sweet offering. And it's oh, like, wow. uh, what can I bring you next, sir? <laughs> you know what I yeah. thought? That's <laughs> such a weird way to put it, but I've never thought of it that way. And he's like, it was it was one of those where you read it and you're like, is this guy just a hippie or is he like got the warm and fuzzies? Yeah. But he was like, I served God a, a meal of of recounting to him his word and and all the promises that he's made to me and and it feels very um, uh, give and take a little bit like yeah. of I I know what you've given me so I'm freely giving it back to you and I'm acknowledging what you've done. That's really cool. So, yeah, I just, uh, when he said waiting on the Lord and he was saying, I wait on the Lord, uh, it goes back to even the words that we find for serve. Because yeah. that's what I was going to say. And if you're okay, I'll jump into this. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I Like I said, I went a few different ways for this. Um, when I got into studying up on this, I ended up in Romans chapter 15 because that was the third place that this word was. And... When I got to Romans chapter 15, I started reading it, and from verse 14 to verse 33, which is 19 verses, I realized that there are five different ways that Paul says that he wants to minister, whether it's being a minister of Jesus Christ, or whether it's ministering the gospel of God, or whether he says, I'm going somewhere to minister, or he says it's also somebody else's duty to minister. <laughs> and then even he says that my service um, for Jerusalem may be acceptable for the saints. And so I wanted to go over the ways that he says it, because even then we talk about the word serve, and I started to delve into those, and I looked up the different words for serve, and one of them meant just being that table server, and that's where we find Acts chapter 7, where it's like... Um, it's not appropriate that we should be like under rowers uh, and oh, serve yeah. the tables, but we should give ourselves to the word of God. So uh, anyway, back in Romans 15, Paul says that I might be a minister and it's another form of the word liturgy. It's liturgos, which means minister or servant. And then another one is ministering, which is hierurgeo, which is ministering in the manner of a priest. And then there's another word for minister, diakoneo, which is where we get our word deacon. And that means to be a servant or to minister. And then, of course, there's liturgeo, which we talked about. And then there's another form of diakoneo, which is diakonia, which means serving and ministering. And and my point in saying all of these, other than it just showing up this many times in one short portion of a chapter, is that I feel like a lot of this is cyclical. Whereas we minister to the Lord, it fills us up to minister to others, which should then in turn encourage us to minister to the Lord, which then should fill us up to <laughs> wow. minister to others. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I was thinking, wow, this is a healthy cycle. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's not the, the Peloton that <laughs> it collects clothes in the corner of the room <laughs> that you bought your wife for Christmas. <laughs> Did you see that commercial? <laughs> I think I have. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah, um, I just thought, even as you look into the Greek words for service, there's so many different ways. And, and Jesus was the ultimate example because he goes, 
I didn't, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And, and again, I think it's just that exemplifying of this and this and this, and ultimately leading up to him being our high priest. Oh yeah. Yeah, That makes me think of our episode in in season one, I think it was episode five or something, the spiritual gifts Mm -hmm. and how those are, are given to us so that we can serve one another. First uh, Peter four ten says, "As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God." Mm-hmm. And so that's really a cool thing to highlight because I mean that's a huge part of of ministering to God and to each other. That kind of that that full circle that you just mentioned. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's neat when you can kind of step outside and see things like that. Because, I mean, not that I didn't already know it, but it just became that much more clear to me as we did this study. Oh, yeah. Super cool. All right. So um, the next area that I go is how we can minister to God today. And, mm. and obviously, we just mentioned some of those with the yeah. serving, praying. We, yeah. We've been talking about a lot of this. But uh, the last part of the question that led to this episode was how one could effectively minister to God. Mm. And as I thought about this question, several different things came into my mind, one of which is a question that I myself have asked where I come to God and I say, Lord, I want to minister to you. I want to be a good Christian. Uh, what do I have to do to obtain this? Almost a flavor of that rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, I followed all these commandments and rules my whole life, but what else must I do to obtain this, you know, greater righteousness, deeper closeness? And obviously these questions a lot of times come from from bad thinking. They certainly did with the rich young ruler. But I will say that these aren't necessarily bad questions to ask because I think of David who said, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. Mm-hmm. And you were mentioning the... Um, the, I can't remember how you pronounce the liturgy Greek word. Oh, yeah. But um, you had mentioned something about cost, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yes. Yeah, it says it at one's own cost. At one's own cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. and that, that kind of reminds me of that. But th- there's a noble reason to ask these questions. Um, and, and I would say that effectively ministering to God has more to do with um, who we are than what we do. Yeah, and you just made me think of this. And I know it's very... Um, theologically sketchy at times to insert your spouse where you have God. But I think of times where when you were saying, how do I minister to you, God, praying about that? Yeah, I think of like, what if we just did the exact same thing over and over and over to show our spouse that we love them? Like <laughs> it's their birthday and you get them the same thing every year. <laughs> Wouldn't that seem very monotonous? Yeah. Wouldn't that seem very robotic? Yeah. And I just, I mean, to me, that started to make me think of like, we try to come up with different biblical ways, different spiritual ways to show God our love for him, to minister to him, not outside the the bounds of regular, you know, we're not clucking like chickens or anything, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but we are looking for ways to minister to God, to show him our love for him, to show, you know, that we, um, acknowledge him as who he is, you know? Yeah. 
Well, it's, I think that's an, a pretty interesting thing to think about in being creative and how we mm-hmm. minister to God. Yes. And I, that, that's a good point because you, you wouldn't do that with your wife. You wouldn't yeah. do that with a friend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's something to think about There'd for sure. There's a huge disconnect. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and maybe that is what you're feeling, listener, or me, in the times that I go through that is a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And it might be because of some of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But um, th- this idea of, of it being... Uh, more about who we are than what we do. And, and I realize this can be tricky because what we do is dictated by who we are. Mm. But who we are must always come before what we do. Yes. And the the who we are is only righteous if we're being sanctified through Christ. So I would like to go into some areas that shed light on on who we are to be, to approach God righteously and to minister to Him righteously. Uh, I do want to preface this next portion by saying that uh, what we talk about next, it'll be tempting to misunderstand. Uh, It might be tempting to misinterpret what's being said to mean we have to make ourselves holy before God will accept us. And while we do have to be holy in order to minister to God, we have to also remember what makes us holy. Mm -hmm. And that's the work of Jesus, not our work. Uh, do we have a part in ministering to God? Absolutely. Can our decisions prevent us from effectively ministering to God? Yes, they can. But remember to be snake birds when weighing God's work versus ours. Mm. So with that being said, I would like to read something from an author and theologian, Herbert Bateman IV. It sounds very noble. That lays out, He lays out in his book, Authentic Worship, regarding Psalm 15 and how God requires us to come to him, uh, in other words, the condition of our heart. God wants his worshipers to live with integrity, to live with a consistency that permeates one's totality. The worshiper's totality as human beings is of special interest to God. Thus, the psalmist has holistically and fully referred to the worshipers by noting their habits, their deeds, their speech. Thus, the general moral traits of a worshiper involve walking blamelessly, practicing righteousness, and speaking truth in his heart. And then Bateman goes on to describe how this psalm highlights who we are around our neighbors and acquaintances, and that we don't, you know, trip over our words because who we are in front of one person is it the same as someone that we're around in church. And um, he, Bateman continues, in the psalm's theology, life is either in the right with God or it is not. No partly righteous, no little bit wicked. The one seeking God's presence is committed to opposing those who perpetually undertake evil and affirming those who have cast their lot with God. This individual brings shalom to the community of God. So I know there's a lot to take in there, but I know that I look at my life and, and sometimes the words I speak, the things I do from time to time, I wonder how could I ever come before God? I'm not consistent enough. I don't speak enough holy things. I don't have enough integrity. And this is where we have to understand that maybe maybe there is more that we can do to approach God closer. Um, we can fast. We can pray. We can dedicate more time to study and serving. All of these things are good, and, and we should implement them. These things minister to God. But just know that God can see into your heart, and if you really are striving to know Him more, to minister to Him the best way you can, it won't matter how many times you miss the mark, God will be pleased with the heart that you have to seek Him, mm-hmm. if you're truly seeking Him. And um, 
uh, Josh, I'm I don't know if you want to jump in on any of that, but I, I also go into the to the reverse of that as well next. Yeah, um, I'm still chewing on it. It's really deep. It's really good. So I'd say go for the reverse. I, I, okay. I just, I'm like, okay, I, I just learned something. I, I would recommend that book, listeners, um, mm-hmm. Authentic Worship. Really, man, I, I'm not even through with it yet, but it really has some meat in it. Mm-hmm. But um, we, we should also know that if, if we're molding ourselves to appear righteous, then that can be seen too, or that will be seen too. Um, a great question to ask yourself when pinpointing if you're honestly ministering to God or not is, at what point do I know that I've achieved this? Mm. Um, and you'll know the answer to this because think about it. There's only three types of approval that any human will seek. And when we get that approval from one of these three, we'll have a satisfaction come over us. Mm. Uh, two of these are not lasting, but we'll feel satisfied at least for a while either way. And the three types of approval that people seek is from other people, ourselves, or God. If we're trying to please others, then we can pretend and invent a character that gives us that dopamine hit whenever whoever we're seeking approval of says, you know, well done, bravo. And you'll know if that's what you're doing because you'll feel a short-lived satisfaction uh, Mm -hmm. come over you when you get that approval. Or maybe you could care less about what people think of you and your satisfaction comes from being ultimately satisfied in yourself um, with how comfortable you are. This would be selfishness to the limit where uh, when your pleasure gauge is off the chart with whatever gives you pleasure, you're on cloud nine. But yet again, that's going to be short-lived. And the third category would be where you've come to the recognition that being right with God is the most important thing to you. And you'll experience the satisfaction that lasts forever. At that point, you've tasted the water that makes you never thirst again. And and I've obviously, I've got to say, does this mean that you're going to feel rainbows and butterflies all the time? Absolutely not. Um, in fact, half the reason that you know you're on the right track with God is because of that the struggle that your feelings put forth. That mm-hmm. Romans seven, um, you know, two. There's two natures in you still. Yeah. Um, but ministering to God will mean that you, you've recognized your separation from Him without Christ, that you could never do enough or be enough to obtain the slightest bit of righteousness, and that your joy comes from resting in His works because our works, they would kill us yeah. if, we, if we attempted to rest in them. Yeah. They would kill us. And um, through all of that recognition, we do have a part where we strive and try to keep His commandments in this evil generation, but... Also understanding that when we fall, it doesn't affect our security in Him in the slightest bit Mm -hmm. because we're resting in His work. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this whole concept and recognition is what it means to minister to God. I mean, there's a lot of different ways we can serve, we can pray, we can do all this. But this recognition of I'm not enough and I recognize that and Jesus, I need you every hour I need you. So well, it all plays in, and it goes hand in hand with um, our identity in Christ, yes. and our confidence of who we are in Him. That the work is completed um, because of what He's done, 
but we're walking with him. We're, we're, um, accomplishing it together. And I think of even referencing back to the sons of Zadok and Ezekiel, Ezekiel 48 says, it shall be for the priests of the sons of Zadok who are sanctified. And I'm thinking even in the old Testament, God was talking about them being sanctified and how much more do we have now the Holy spirit walking in through and with us as we're, um, progressing towards glorification. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't help but think that it's all these pieces. It's like Kronk from uh, Emperor's New Groove. Oh yeah. It's all coming together. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I mean, they all work uh, in tandem. Yeah, they really do. And not to put uh, the listener that requested this episode in that first category of seeking approval from others, but yeah. well done. Yes. Well done on the question and how you formed it, um, because this all does connect so beautifully from the uh, the Old Testament to the New mm-hmm. in, in all of the, the sanctification. It's a, it is such a fascinating topic and it's so important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Josh, I don't have a whole lot more um, on on the New Testament and what all that means. I have some some thoughts to close us out with on um, on ministering to God. But uh, is there anything else you've got? Yeah, I wanted to bring uh, two more things. Cool. So one was a quote from John Corson, who I thought this really was important. He said, there are a lot of people who minister for the Lord, but not minister to the Lord. Lots of people desire to minister for the Lord, but there are few who desire to minister to the Lord. And I think he was just emphasizing how much um, not having that vertical can really affect our ability to have that horizontal. Okay. And yeah. uh, and he was just acknowledging that, and I thought it's almost kind of like spreading um, something on toast, and when the the butter gets too thin, all of a sudden you're just like, there's nothing left. Yeah. You know, because there's an absence of substance. Yeah. You know. That and, that's one of those points that you you got to come to God, and you're like, I'm done. Yeah. I tried it again. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I, I need you. Yeah. Yeah, and it just comes from you know, relying on your flesh. Yeah. But I I feel like, again, talking about how these are all in tandem, it's, it's all about walking in the spirit. And I feel like when you walk in the spirit, you are going to naturally want to minister to the Lord. Yeah. And so, um, I also found another, uh, scholar, I'll, I'll call him a scholar who, uh, he said that, uh, in his spiritual journey, he came across this notion of ministering to the Lord. And he said that he put into practice actually ministering to each person of the Trinity. Wow. That is cool. Yeah. I thought that was really fascinating. And I, it was one of those where, again, I'm reading like, is there anything off on this? <laughs> you know, and I didn't find anything strange. So I thought that might be an interesting thing to bring because this is um, how he suggests ministering to the Father. This was his roadmap is he says, I come to God with thanksgiving and praise, and I uh, acknowledge him for what he's done, and I declare his attributes, his goodness, his kindness, his love, his compassion, his faithfulness, his patience, his forgiveness, his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, and I quote his word um, as I delight in its glory. You know, he he refers to like Psalm 19, where the heavens declare the glory of God day unto day. You know, he just he just basks in God's glory during that time where he's ministering to the Father. And then he said, and I come to minister to Jesus and I thank him for the cross. And I thank him that there was 
dried blood from so many that had come before him. And I think for the nails that were driven through and the crown of thorns. And, and I thank him for the, for enduring the cheers and the jeers and the, and the criticisms that he received and, and all of the things that he endured while he was on the cross. And I acknowledge him as our King and our Lord and, and the Alpha and Omega, like you said earlier, and the lion and the lamb. And, and I say, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And, and it came back into my head. I was like the resurrected King who resurrected <laughs> nice. me, you know, and, yes. and tell him that I will follow him and obey him and keep his commands. And then he said, and then I minister to the Holy Spirit and I thank him for who he is and for how obvious all the things that he does are. And I acknowledge him for his role in my life, that he dwells in me, inspires me, leads me, comforts me. He he groans for me and he prays for the things that I don't even realize to pray for. He protects and shelters me. He sanctifies me. He empowers me and he walks with me and he leads me into righteousness as I encounter other people. And so I just, I got, it was like, is that, that last portion, was that still Jesus? That was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit. And so I, I mean, I kind of had like this, not emotional moment, but I just got caught up in like this, wow, this, this really feels powerful of acknowledging each of the, of the Trinity in my life of what they do. And, and I'm like, I'm going to put this into practice. You know, I I am too. That is really cool. Yeah. I felt, I, I felt like it was really powerful. That's a really good way to fine tune um, your prayer life mm-hmm. because it's so personal to each of the the parts of God. Yeah, and you can, man, that's that's cool. I'm gonna start doing that. It kind of okay, bringing it back to my meathead ways. I feel like it's like identifying muscle groups, you know. And sometimes you know you 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 just want to get your swell on, but you know <laughs> you're like. <laughs> Okay, this is so terrible. But you really want to come in and you want to acknowledge the things that make up what what really yes. affects you. And I don't think I'm saying that well enough. But you know. I follow. Okay, I follow. Okay, I like it. It's not a. It's not full body CrossFit. This is like I'm working. <laughs> I'm working my 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 kneeling before God, and then I'm working my lifting my hands and praise. Yeah, and I'm working just lying face down. Uh, prostrate before the lord i like it yeah that's really cool (laughs) back to the gym (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's really cool josh i like that i've I've never heard that before uh that makes a lot of sense though Mm -hmm. and so that's something I'll, i'll be implementing as well Give it an old try. (laughs) (laughs) The old college try. (laughs) Man, I'm dumb. All right. So I I think we're probably just about uh, ready to wrap this up, Josh. You think? Yes, for sure. Thank you again, listener, for sending this one in to us. I've really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And um, I've just got a few things to say at the end here. And that would be that if I had to choose one word to describe what we can do to minister to God... um, Josh already said it earlier, but it would be to abide. Mm. Um, to abide in God is to be surrendered to Him in such a way that everything else just falls into place. Um, if you're picking up your cross daily with the humble recognition that you need and will submit to God at every turn possible, then the Holy Spirit will guide you into ministering to God the best you can. Uh, you could read a thousand self-help books. You could listen to a thousand uplifting podcasts, but the real change doesn't come from any of that. If you really want to minister to God, if you want to honestly and appropriately react to who He is, 
then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Romans 12.2. Be honest in your surrender when it comes to letting go of sins that hold you back and run with endurance in your calling. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 12.1. And with love, serve those around you with selflessness because that's the example Jesus gave us. John 13.35. John 3.16 for crying out loud. Uh, pray to God often and communicate your gratefulness, your concerns, your requests. First Thessalonians 5.17. And remember that none of this is about you having to reinvent yourself. All you have to do is come as you are in the spirit of belief and repentance. And God will do all of this in you himself. Mm-hmm. Through the Holy Spirit, you'll start to be transformed into the image of Christ. And as God starts to see that sanctifying image in you, that in itself will be ministering to God mm-hmm. when he sees his son in you. And when you start living in a way that reflects God's heart, you'll be honestly and appropriately reacting to who he is, which will be ministering to him. So that's that's what I'd like to leave you with. Yeah. As you were saying that, I just felt like, you know, make your quiet time about God, not about you. Yes. Not about coming and saying, what am I going to get from this today so I can go on with my life? And like, what nugget is going to affect me? Yeah. But come and make it about God. Say, what can I do for you? Yeah. You know, that's one of my favorite songs is a Jeremy Riddle song is what can I bring to you? Yeah. And, and it's just sung in humility. Yes. Uh, not to ruin the moment, but all I just got this, this audio in my head. Ask not what <laughs> your country can do yeah. for you. <laughs> but the, the, the idea is the same. It, yeah, yeah, it is. You have to do it. If you're going to do a JFK, you got to do it in that rail. You know. Do it, Josh. Oh, gosh. I'm, I shouldn't. I, I don't think it's loaded. It's not locked and loaded. It's going to sound very sacrilegious. Uh, pull the pull the old yeah. harp out of the sleeve. Oh, yeah. I, I can't play jazz flute. Yeah. <laughs> no, not the harp. <laughs> the, the jazz. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ask not what you can do for your country, but what can you know, whatever. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I what liked your country it. can do for yeah. I don't have a, a New England accent for sure. Oh, you can do some pretty good ones, but guys, thanks for tuning in with us. Um thank you, listener, for sending in the question. Again, we've we thank you like six times, yes. but we really do appreciate it. And this was a great episode. Um, we we really enjoyed the study and um, being able to bring it to y'all. So um, anyway, Josh, what do you got to say next? <laughs> you can always reach out to us, and uh, we would love to hear from you, even if it's not a uh, listener request, even yeah. if it's just a comment, even if it's a prayer request, even if it's just saying how we've um, been able to affect your life as, since you've been listening. Whatever it is, we'd like to hear from you. So you can send us an email at connect at basnakebird.com, or you can um, you can. Uh, Facebook us or Facebook Messenger us. Our page is Snakebird. It's really easy to find. And as always, if you are enjoying listening to us, um, it would always help the podcast to reach more by going in and giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts or even leaving a review. And and you can say what you'd like to say. Uh, (laughs) Please be kind if you can. And uh, we just appreciate it because we know that you're out there listening. I I tried to say hello in French a little while ago and I messed it up. So I'm going to say bonjour because we see that there is a listener in France that listens to every single episode faithfully. And there's so many more uh, listeners that are, that are all over the world, which is really completely surprising. Yeah, and that's so humbling uh, that, w- that we 
can be here with you guys as the body of Christ over yes. the airwaves. You know, it's just it's kind of a baffling baffling thing on my end, just thinking about that y'all y'all are with us here. We we really do appreciate it, and we we care for each and every one of y'all, and we yes. we would uh, deeply appreciate it if y'all reach out and uh, just touch base with us. Yes, and we want to minister to you and as we minister to the Lord. Yes. So. All right. So, snake birds, always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to minister to God. And be a snake bird. the law and all that is where the sons of Zadok come into play with what they did and what that means. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to figure what be this? (laughs) I caught him. I caught him. Oh, you got the mat. Yes. And I flung him. I spiked him like a, like a football fist bump is worthy. Sorry. Okay. Okay. No, that is fantastic. Take that. Nat. Can you say bloopers at the end? Yeah. All right. Uh, when you have who we're to who we are to be. Um, Whoa.